0: To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. This season of Strong Opinions, Loosely Held, is brought to you by Lean Cuisine. I've got a lot of opinions, and here's one. Sesame is everything, especially the sesame chicken from Lean Cuisine's Marketplace line, which is made with the kind of ingredients that I like to keep in my own kitchen. Natural chicken, no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. Visit leancuisine.com backslash refinery29 for a coupon code and feed your phenomenal with Lean Cuisine. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to our bonus episode. So there was so much in my interview with Ashley that I couldn't let it go to waste. So here's my full conversation where she and I deconstruct the myth of having a following. She talks about her love of Roxanne Gay and how her mentee mindset failed her. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you back here next week.
1: My name is Ashley C. Ford. I am a senior features writer at Refinery29, the chairperson for an organization called Broadway Black. And I, you know, am a Kenny Loggins fangirl. Like that is, that's my work. That's my job. That's what makes me who I am right now.
0: You have a following online. Yes. How did you create that? Was that something (laughs) intentional?
1: No, that wasn't intentional at all. I talk a lot online because I don't really have the energy to talk to people a whole lot face-to-face in real life. And talking online a lot of times is sort of like speaking into a void, Um, except that (laughs) actual real people react to it. So, you know, things that I may have been thinking about all day, things that I might be thinking, you know, I want to I want to write this down because I, I I'm thinking of it for myself. I just put them on Twitter.
0: And now you have about 80,000 followers on Twitter and 13,000 followers on Instagram. How does that feel to be loved so much?
1: <laughs> Well, you know, I am lucky enough to be a person who does not confuse followers with fans and or people who love you. I have figured out how to say most of the time exactly what I mean in 140 characters.
0: People equate, myself included, visibility with... Money. (laughs) You must be rolling in it.
1: (laughs) The two jobs I've had recently that I would say got me to a place of financial stability had nothing to do with how many followers I had. The jobs I got were about my work. And I do get that the visibility doesn't hurt. If you bring along with you an audience when you write something, people are going to want you to write for them. I've never, ever made money off of my social media. Do you want to? I think it might change the dynamic that I have right now, which is that I still feel, for the most part, despite the large following, comfortable enough to do and or say whatever I want to do and or say. I think some people will think I'm taking some sort of moral stance, and it's not that I I can't sustain it. I am a bad pretender. I'm just not going to be able... To keep up with a lifestyle like that.
0: Who do you look up to online?
1: Um, probably the biggest influence is Roxane Gay. Her work, uh, you know, has sustained me in so many ways. And she has been such an amazing supporter. And she is a person who is completely herself online. In the last few years, it's gotten, you know, trickier because she has a lot more followers and she is a lot more well-known and people love to come for her. But there's still 100% Roxanne. I admire that about her. I've always just wanted to, like, be more of myself. I'm very invested in the idea that we also have to be more comfortable with public growth. Sometimes I think the idea of having a brand is also about stagnating. That's not how I'm trying to live my life.
0: Do you feel like that you are paid what you feel like you're worth?
1: Absolutely. Now, I feel like I am being compensated in a way that makes sense for what I can provide a company that I work for.
0: And how did you get to that point?
1: Being heavily encouraged by people in my life. And that has not always been the case. I... I didn't negotiate.
0: So someone gave you a number and you said sure.
1: Absolutely. Because I was I have these mentors and I have all these people that I look up to and I was stuck in this mindset of being like the mentee. You know, this idea that working for these places gave more to me than I gave to them. And I didn't recognize what I was bringing to the table.
0: How did you make that gap between doing the stuff you knew that you wanted to do or made to do and
1: being able to pay your rent? To be perfectly honest, I couldn't always pay my rent. I had to ask for help. I will say that the thing, that the turning point for me was working for a marketing company in Indianapolis and I was a glorified receptionist. The reason why that job was a turning point is because the owner... Of the company, Jen hired me based on an essay. So she knew I was a writer. And I went and did this interview and we talked. And she was like, Ashley, I have no doubt that for what I need you to do here, you can do the job. But I read your essay. It was amazing. I want you to keep writing. I want you to let me know how I can be supportive of you. And I'm also gonna ask you to give me at least a year. So she gave me time off to go. To writing conferences, she, you know, encouraged me when I was applying for residencies. She, if there was a reading or something like that, she would tell the whole office and see if like she could get everybody together to come see me at a, you know what I mean? Like she was just super supportive and it was so great being at a job where I didn't have to pretend that I was really into it. She was just so aware That what I wanted for my future, she could be helpful in. She legitimized my dream.
0: But were there jobs where you had to be a receptionist from 9 to 5 and then go home and be a writer from 5 to 10?
1: Yes. It wasn't easy. You know, I worked at a company in Indianapolis as well that was 9 to 5. and was my first 9 to 5. And that job depressed me so bad. And... I have found that I just am not the kind of person who can have a job she hates but do work on the side that she loves. I start to suck at the job because I hate it so much that I just can't keep up my energy or motivation. And then I also start sucking at the things that I like to do because I have no energy and motivation left after giving the little bit that I have to the job. I'm working at a publisher Because A, I like the publisher (laughs) and I don't have to pretend. And B, because it helps me maintain the stability that I need to become the kind of writer I am trying to be. I am still in my learning process with writing. I hope I'm never out of my learning process, but I'm still in the part of my learning process where... I do think that like being at a publisher is the best thing for my writing.
0: There really isn't a new economic model or a, an economic model that supports having digital creative labor mm-hmm. with a great return on investment that allows you, myself, the creator, to survive and thrive. Mm-hmm. How do we have to change the economic model to reflect that success, to reflect the stuff that you want to do and scale your voice Mm -hmm. in a way that is rewarding for you monetarily?
1: You have to figure out so many things that people tell you are the wrong things to be thinking about to create. You have to be thinking about who is my audience? What do they want? What are they willing to pay for? right? Like those are probably the big three when you're talking about digital content and monetizing in any way. Part of the reason, to be perfectly honest, why I'm out a publisher is because I'm not sure how you would monetize independently doing the kind of things that I do. People still think, for the most part, that creative labor should be done just for the joy you should be doing it despite the fact that it is work and despite the fact that they are consumers of your work. A lot of people still just, they don't want to know about ads. They don't want to see ads. They feel like you're a sellout if you have ads. I think it comes from the idea that people think having a large following means you're already getting money. So you're asking for their money on top of the money you're already receiving. Because the truth is, independently, what do we do? How do we make it, mm-hmm. even though we are making things that make other people money? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we also have to be honest about the fact that no matter how benevolent, the people at the tops of these companies don't necessarily want us to be able to independently make our own money because that cuts into the profit that made them billionaires. Right. So, I mean, that's what's really the tough spot in all of this when we're talking about these platforms is that we know that the people at the top of these platforms are rich it is not in their best interest to support our independent making (laughs) it's just not in their best interest Mm -hmm. not financially
0: nor is it in their best interest to pay us yep to stay to make that work
1: absolutely i mean we see what happened with vine And there's nothing we can do about it, to be perfectly honest, except either create our own platforms and our own shit and hope that when we do that, they don't get bought out by the same people who owned (laughs) the company or the the platform we just left. You know, it's money is a weird game. And creators are in the weird place of being in high demand, but also being valued very low. When I get online and decide to start talking about something that's happening in the news or something that I just think is important for people to know, like, I know that I've thought it through. I know how to write a good tweet. Absolutely. But at the same time, there are people who react to my thoughts in a way that makes me uncomfortable because I also want them to understand that my opinions are not the only ones. There's nobody talking online who is not sometimes wrong and sometimes makes mistakes.
0: And this goes back to your earlier topic, actually, that you brought up I thought was so interesting of learning in real time in
1: public. Yeah, I think it's happening all the time. And we're all pretending that it doesn't. We're pretending often that, you know, we were born knowing words like patriarchy and gender nonconforming and, you know, wage gap. And the truth is, no, at some point in our lives, we learned about all those things, you know, and we maybe had some initially some really ignorant responses to those things. And then we learned more and then we changed our minds. And I think there is something super powerful about owning your shit and changing your mind publicly If I say something online that people don't necessarily think is true, don't agree with, whatever, and they know me in real life, they will text me and they will tell me how they feel and we will have that conversation and we'll hash it out. Sometimes at the end of it, I'm like, you know what, you're right. And sometimes at the end of it, I'm like, "Mm, no, I'm still right. But, you know, the most important people are the people who see that and then go, it's okay that now I think something more accurate. Those are the people who I'm talking to, people who are not necessarily, I don't want to say easily molded, like not that, but people who are open to the idea that they might not have all the answers, because I know for damn sure I ain't got all the answers. Like, Mm. I know that. But in being honest about that, it just opens up a whole world of learning. And I don't think learning has to be a bad thing. I don't think learning is something that you have to get dragged for online. I think learning is a beautiful, (laughs) wonderful thing. And I think that sometimes you gotta apologize. Mm -hmm. That's all learning. Even the pain you feel from getting dragged, from getting, you know, like having somebody say something that hurts your feelings, from finding out that you were wrong about something you really wanted to be right about, which hurts sometimes. I just try really very hard to be both understanding and stick up for myself. It's the pretending thing. Mm -hmm. I can't pretend I don't see it and not say something.
0: Can you talk about selling out?
1: Mm. What
0: does selling out mean to you? And is it a positive thing?
1: To me, selling out would be if you ranted and raved against a company and then that company was like, we'll give you $3 million not to rant and rave about us and to actually say nice things about us. And you go, oh, okay. And then you do. No, like that's, that's not how that works. I don't think selling ads is selling out. I don't think doing sponsored content is selling out. I don't think selling out is selling out until you have compromised your values in some way. That is the only version of selling out that I ascribe to. Everything else usually is just somebody else's attempt to, again, police your identity in some way or police your work. When I was in high school, I really thought I wanted to be an actress. I really, really did. And then a good friend of mine decided he was going to become an actor and ended up living in his car for two years in L.A. And I thought about it and I was like acting means so much to him that he lived in his car in L.A. Uh, I don't think I want to be an actor that bad. I'm not living in a car for two You know what I mean? Like, mm, no. I must have a different take <laughs> on this thing. And I don't know that that necessarily makes me a sellout. You have to know what you need. And the truth of the matter is, if it came down to it, if somebody said, Ashley, you're not going to be able to feed yourself as a writer, I would go get another job. If somebody said, Ashley... You're not going to be able to have any of the things you want in life if you choose to full-time commit yourself to your art. Then I would do my art part-time. You find room Mm -hmm. for the things you want to do. Committing to them full-time, to me, sounds like it would actually be a mistake for a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people want to do their creative work full-time. I think they just want more time to do it. And that's two different things. <laughs>
0: do you think comparing yourself to other people is a productive way to be creative?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> I think it's the opposite of a product. I think it's the least productive thing you can do. Being a creator, James Franco got a book deal and people were ranting and raving you know, about it online. Roxane Gay tweeted, James Franco did not get your book deal. I remember reading that and being like, Holy shit. Like, she's right. Like, nobody gets your web series, your Oscar, your book deal. What's for you is for you. And it's going to be there for you when it's time for you to have it. I believe that. If, you know, that's actually in your future, if that's something that you actually really want, there are a lot of things I thought I wanted that as I get closer to them or as I had the opportunity to have them. I realized very suddenly, thank God, before I signed on, actually, I don't want that. I wanted it because I thought it sounded impressive. I wanted it because it was something that somebody I admired had. But when it came to doing the work and doing the thing, I didn't want it. I do not compare my career to anybody else's career because, A, I don't know what they want. And B, I know what I want, and I know that what I want will either become available to me or it won't, but nobody can take it from me. Nobody's going to have Ashley Ford's TV show, Ashley Ford's movie, Ashley Ford's books. Nobody got Ashley Ford's speaking gig, because if it was Ashley Ford's speaking gig, Ashley Ford would have it. Because if you can sit around being upset about what someone else has that you don't have, then you're not studying to get what you want.
0: Or making what you want to make. Or
1: making what you want to make. You know? I can't can't be mad about somebody having a web series and I don't have a web series because to be perfectly honest, I haven't written one. (laughs) Like how could I be mad about it? Right. I can't be mad about somebody having a book deal and me not having a book deal because, you know what, my agent – just gave me back my proposal with notes and I'm working on it. My book proposal isn't out there yet. How can I be mad about somebody else having a book deal when my proposal isn't even out there? Yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of the comparison problem. That is the probably the one professional <laughs> insecurity inducing thing that I've been able to avoid based off that one statement from Roxanne several years ago. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. I'm so glad we got to do this. Me too.